This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Coming to you live from Mojave at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) on my 2010 MacBook Pro. I can't believe it's working. Um, It seems flawless Mm. so far. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so I've kind of got it dual booted. Um, I've got my main install that was, oh, blimey, what was it? High Sierra? Um, That my MacBook was capped at. Um, I sort of upgraded that to Mojave, so all of my stuff remained in place. And then I did one of those APFS volumes for Catalina. Yeah. So then if I want to dual boot, I just hold the Alt or Option key, you know, as, as it boots, and then just choose whichever one I want to go for. I'm spending most of my time in Mojave, um, but if I want to sort of do, you know, get the most out of Xcode 11, I'll boot into Catalina. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, a little bit buggy in places i found like things crash a little bit more often and obviously checked in with the devs of audio hijack and they were like nope don't run catalina if you need audio hijack so (laughs) yeah but like day to day i'm still in mojave but yeah (laughs) i still think it's brilliant that it even works at all given that apple are like nope this machine's cut off and actually it it does run it basically it's fine um so you've had to be jumped through some hoops to sort of make that work? Essentially, I've hackintoshed my own Mac, in a way, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's this guy called DOS Dude one um, who's, uh, yeah, he's got this website and he's got this tool and it right. will go off and it will download the Mojave uh, you know, image from Apple and then yep. the tool will then also patch it so that it will install on older stuff and then once you've done the install, you you sort of put it onto a USB stick and then, you know, boot from the USB, do the install upgrade as I did from High Sierra to Mojave. Uh, when it's finished, you boot from the stick one last time and then you notice one thing that's different to the standard Apple installer is that you've got like a post install script that you run that obviously this yep. DOS dude has written and it sort of patches over like, like I think with mine it said enter the model of your MacBook and I did and then it sort of pre-ticked all of these things that it would need to do. And it's things like legacy Wi-Fi drivers, bits and bobs like that. Yeah. Um, and then lo and behold, he's been working on Catalina as well. And I thought, well, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. So I figured I'd try it. <laughs> on, on his website, he was like, be warned, Catalina itself is in beta. This yep. tool is not perfect yet because I'm still sort of figuring it all out as, you know, because Catalina is still quite new. So proceed at your own risk, but I was like, "Well, it can't go too far wrong if it's in its own APFS volume. It's not going to ruin my Mojave install." Hopefully, um, yeah, just gave it a whirl, and yeah, works. It works great. So life in the old dog yet? Well, it, yeah, it does make me wonder. Like when Apple say no, it can't run it anymore. It's like, well, yes, it can. <laughs> I'm kind of doing <laughs> it here without a dedicated GPU. I mean, I'm just running on the Intel GPU here. That because obviously I have the kernel panic issue, so I've disabled it it's all right i mean it's not fast it's but equally it's not painfully slow yeah I, yeah it's yeah it's, it's an interesting thing to think about because like you, you do sometimes hear people say oh yeah well apple want you to buy the new thing don't they and most of the time i'm kind of on apple's side in that well actually to get the best experience they probably say actually no this device will give you a rubbish experience if you upgrade so that's why they're saying no um, yeah but in this case it doesn't seem too bad. 
And to be fair, I have modded this MacBook. I've put more RAM in it, and it's got a bigger SSD. Well, it's gone from a hard drive to an SSD, so maybe that's playing a role. It'll play a role in keeping it, you know, functional and and, and kind of having any sort of you know, reasonable usability. I think because an SSD kind of makes all, all the difference for for almost any machine, really. You know, I've, I've seen like a 2014 iMac be almost unusable in certain circumstances with Xcode, you know, sort of full pelt, uh, get a new lease on life with an SSD, just yeah. because the, the, the hard drive performance was so, so bad. Uh, do you have a bootloader on this machine? Does it kind of come up with um, with a sort of funky Hackintosh bootloader? Oh, no, no, nothing like that. No? No, no. Um, yeah, it's, it's not. Maybe it's wrong thing for me to say in that I've Hackintosh my own Mac. I haven't Hackintoshed it in the way that you would Hackintosh, you know, a, a Hackintosh. Um, yeah, it's almost like this guy has just sort of patched the Mac OS installer to support older gear and has, yep. um, I, I guess, sort of done some something with drivers and bits and bobs to make older stuff work. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few moments where it slows down. Um, like the other day, I went to quickly Google something, and there's just a bit of a lag in me typing and it appearing in a field. Yep. But for the most part, it seems all right. I mean, Xcode, to be fair, does bring it to its knees, it, it's, uh, especially in Catalina. <laughs> it's like the, this poor MacBook, it's kind of like a jet engine going. I'm kind of a bit in a bad situation anyway, because I think because I'm running on the Intel GPU, the simulators are just really, really bad in terms yeah, of their performance. Be like yeah. between 5 and 10 frames a second. Um, right, yeah. You click a button and you expect the simulator to react and then just nothing happens and then you have to almost trigger it into life. So if you've got like a like a table view, if you then go to scroll on the table view, it's like it detects another input and it refreshes the screen and then you see the result of the previous thing you clicked on. Right. So, but that was like that in High Sierra anyway. So it's not like me going to Mojave or Catalina has made it worse. It's just the machine that, is probably... yeah. Had it in that, that is sense. the performance of that graphics card of that um, of the dedicated GPU. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this this doesn't change the situation in terms of me needing to buy a new MacBook. I can assure you, I, I definitely feel the need for one, possibly more now than I ever have. But yeah, I just think it's awesome that I'm able to do this at all. It's yeah, it's weird. yeah, <laughs> Love, loving it. Let's you um, try out the beaters. Well, yeah, and I've been i've been watching loads of videos on swift ui on like the wwdc app on the apple tv um like I, i've been kind of dividing my free time into blocks of 40 minutes like if i like have took the boys out the other day and i thought well, she's probably going to be gone for about an hour and a half oh that's two wwdc videos and i can sort of you know watch those on swift <laughs> but of course i haven't yeah. had any i haven't been able to like program any of it i've just been watching stuff so far um trying to take it all in in the hope i remember it when when it comes to you know laying down some code but yeah, had a quick go. Um, well, I said to you, didn't I, yesterday? I had a, that thing about trying to work out whether, if you're going to support Mac, how to do it, whether you add a new target for the Mac or whether you do the whole Catalyst thing where it takes your iPad app and sort of builds that for Mac. I think in my case, like we said last night, I'll just do the, I'll sort of do the tick box thing where you, you know, where you say like iPhone, iPad, and now there's a new tick box for Mac. I'll, I'll, I'll do that, which, which will then build my iPad version for yep. Mac versus a whole separate target because I think that's maybe going to bring a lot of overhead that's unnecessary yeah. given that my Mac app is basically going to be the iPad app anyway. So yeah, you need basically. to go the path of uh, the path of least resistance. I think there really 
um, just certainly while you're at sort of a, an initial state of development as well. If, if you've got the opportunity of it just sort of being tick that box, you know, and kind of make it essentially basically usable on the on the Mac, um, then that's that's probably good enough to sort of start off with. Well, yeah, and, and basically everything I'm developing for the Mac, for the iPad, sorry, is like, well, yeah, this is how I want it to be on the Mac as well. It, it's it's not like I've got this huge other idea for the Mac. It's like, no, how it is on the iPad is exactly how I want it to be on the Mac. Yep. Um, and that's not me trying to, like, reduce it down so that I will only design and build things that happen to work on the iPad and the Mac, so I've only got to do one easy thing. It is generally, like, how I'm designing for the iPad it's like yeah I, I do want it to be this way on the Mac because like I said to you possibly on Slack I've kind of had this bit of a moment with um, Readlist um, this newsreader app I'm working on I've been obsessing over the like the iPhone version for ages and this landing page I've been designing and sending to people has only shown iPhone screenshots and in the back of my mind I was like well I'll just make the iPad version you know make it something like something like the iPhone version and it'll be fine yeah just scale it up a bit scale it up a bit and I had a couple of ideas and one of the ideas was almost like having a, a slightly taller um, iPhone version of the app sort of floating in a window and then it sort of dawned on me that I've got about 75% of the canvas of the iPad I'm just letting go to waste most of the time unless you're actively reading something in a browser which would be like go full screen mm-hmm. um, so the actual kind of browsing experience and the discovery experience and all of that is is kind of like I was massively hindering myself um, when you have the app in full screen mode in the iPad so I felt like I had to design something almost worthy of the iPad because otherwise like what am I doing supporting the iPad I should just support the iPhone if I'm not really going to bring anything good to the table so in my head it's like iPhone app is one thing and then iPad and Mac is another thing versus versus it being iPhone and iPad being one thing and the Mac being another I can see that. Uh, that is probably... A, I kind of feel like that's how I'm thinking about it now, really. Um, we spoke the other day about my redesign of my, my video mixer app. And I think you asked me, you know, am I doing anything specific for the iPad? And the, at the moment, the answer is still kind of the same. That that design's sort of floating in, in my head rather than really being a, a definite thing. But whatever design it is is probably going to be exactly what it's going to be on the Mac. And I would like to have it on the Mac as well. You know, the, the goal is like, okay, make make a, a better design for the iPad than just having the iPhone the UI scaled up. But at the same time, try and make sure that that works on the Mac as well. And then I kind of get two for one. Uh, and that's that's definitely going to be my goal. And I think with a lot of apps, potentially ours are really good examples of this, just the way they're going to be. But it's, it is almost like the Mac version could just be like a, a windowed iPad app. Yep. And and then boom, you've you've got most of the way there. Part of me does worry. Like, am I not maybe giving the Mac sort of like a fair shout as its own thing? Maybe I should do a separate target for Mac OS and go like even further in you know sort of the direction of travel I've gone with the iPad version of the app. Maybe take that even further with the Mac. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see what else I would do differently on the Mac. I started thinking, like, oh, maybe I could do this on the Mac, and that would be a good idea. And I thought, well, why can't I do that on the iPad as well? And it turns out, well, mm-hmm. of, course you can, of course you can do it on the iPad as well. So it's like, well, so basically both things are the same. <laughs> it's the conclusion I came to, um, which is good for feature parity, if nothing else. That, that's quite a good feedback loop, right? 
So you're sort of, you're thinking, okay, how can I do this on this platform? Because, you know, that would be a very Mac thing to do or whatever this, this the example feature is. And then you kind of go, okay, well, can I do it on both? And you sort of look for those opportunities. And I imagine, like, there'll be examples of where you probably do things in the design or, or with features over on the iPad that you'll have the same sort of challenge sort of come back, you know. Like, it might feel immediately like a really iPad thing to go and do, but then when you think about the way you go and do it, maybe there's, there's a way of doing it that sort of benefits both. Yeah. And then it's not just an iPad-only feature. It's also, you, you've got its Mac version. And I think it does take a certain type of app to be able to do this. Like, I yeah. noticed in the Dub Dub videos, um, in the session about it, they kept saying, you know, they made reference all oh, you, you know, when you assess whether your app is a good candidate for this technology, because there are some apps yeah. that just it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't make its way to the Mac. Like a, an AR kit app, for example, is probably a pretty good example. Um, yeah, because a that doesn't exist on the Mac. But if it did, it would be like super weird. You know, if they had a backwards facing camera on the Mac, imagine sort of wandering around with your laptop trying Ooh. to do an AR experience. It'd be it'd be terrible. Um, yeah, no doubt there are countless other examples that I'm failing to think of right now other than AR that just wouldn't translate well to the Mac. But I think what I'm up to and by the sounds of it, what you're up to doesn't sound like there's much of a reason to to not have it on both. And it doesn't sound yep. like the one app that spreads across two has to be weaker because it's accommodating both necessarily. It sounds like it can actually be a good thing. Yeah, very much. Which is good because you know, we've been talking about this for over a year now, what it seems like. Um, well, well over I'm- a year. I remember saying ages back to you that I was kind of waiting for Marzipan because that would help enable uh, my, my sort of redesign of, of my VJ app. Um, and specifically, if I'm thinking about making a pro version, uh, which is now that's exactly what I am doing. You know, this period between Dub Dub and, and um, everything coming out of beta, I'm using to sort of get a handle on that and, and to start. Um, rebuilding my app from the ground up to sort of be able to support everything and I mean I'm not designing the pro version at the moment and I'm kind of filing ideas away for that so there might be a second app on the horizon sort of a bit further out but I'm I'm definitely with this refactor and rebuild of the main app that I've got I'm I'm looking at it now through that lens you know what I'm doing is, is okay get the iPhone version sorted out because that is going to be the you know, there's the probably 70-80% of my sales. But then over there in the remaining 20-30% is now Mac along with iPad. And yeah, that's what I'm up to. It's just great to sort of be looking ahead and sort of thinking, well, I can go and do this. Um, just while I'm, I'm sort of thinking about it all, though, one thing that's occurred to me for for my app, I've got two UIs on the go. If you think about it, by the time I'm done with this, I've got the, the small UI for the iPhone, effectively, and then a, a a UI that will take advantage of the extra width on the iPad. And specifically, I'm thinking about it in use in sort of landscape mode as well. Um, so landscape mode on the iPad, for me, then gives me back a, a, a greater ability to use that space with the, the UI that I've got. Uh and one thing I'm thinking of is is over on the Mac, if the window becomes small enough, then I could potentially kind of switch back to the to the iPhone UI. Possibly. Yeah. 
there might be the potential there for me to sort of do something like that. Um, so that's that's something I'm toying with in, uh, at the moment. Is just sort of thinking, well, okay, if, if I can kind of do enough um, over on the Mac side to detect when that state has happened, can I kind of collapse down to the to the iPhone UI? Because that would make sense, right? If if it becomes small enough, then okay, it, it has this this more compressed version of the UI. And then if you drag and, and correct, make the window um, big enough, then let's let's do something there. Let's transition to to the uh, the iPad UI. So sort of like breakpoints in a responsive website. Pretty much, sort yeah. As, as you drag the window down, you sort of see that website snap into mobile mode, where all of a sudden you see the hamburger menu appear in the top right or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to weigh up what's possible there and what's not, because I spent the afternoon um, sort of prototyping a UI design I had in mind for the iPad and Mac, just because I'm finding my feet with Swift UI. Like, literally, I'm 24 hours in from, like, writing any sort of code. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, well, what about all the different um, size classes and stuff? How do I access that in um, Swift UI? Yeah. And I was Googling away. Why is it Googling? Duck, duck, going away <laughs> for ages. I just couldn't find an answer to it. I was like, well, oh, maybe maybe you can't do this in Swift. Maybe this is like a high-level concept in Swift that I'm not grasping, that it mm-hmm. kind of figures that kind of stuff out for you maybe, or I don't know, something. Um, Possibly. Well, no, I asked in the Slack, and Gary was like, um, oh, here you go, have this link. <laughs> so I was like, oh, how did I not find that? I was like the most... Ob- I was even on that site looking at other links, thinking, oh, damn it, there's nothing here. And then, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> so that was okay. handy. Um, so it turns out you can access size classes um, through the environment object. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, when I get off this call to you, I'm probably going to have a go at that later. So maybe more to yeah. talk about later on with that. Um, but, yeah, overall, just excited, trying out lots of different things. Um, really happy to be able to do it on my aging MacBook. Uh, I still think it's awesome. <laughs> Catalina running on a 2010 MacBook. Um, it's just fine. I say it's not ideal, but it allows me to limp along a little bit more till, uh, well, I guess until hopefully September we might yep. hear something. Um, I'm kind of thinking in my so, head, if I don't hear something in by September, I'm probably just going to cave and see if I can get a 20, uh, 15 inch 19 and uh, 2019 model now, I guess. But yeah, yeah, we'll limp along until then. Okie doke. So we've got a bit of an announcement. Um, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break with the show. Not for very long. Um, we're sort of going to take the summer off, is what we've decided. Your summer. <laughs> well, yeah, your winter. <laughs> Dave's taking the winter off. <laughs> uh, and I guess there's a few reasons behind this decision. Um, it's certainly not like we're abandoning the show or anything. We love doing the show. Um, we just feel like the timing's right and... Probably a good time to put an end to, I guess you could call this season one. Yep. Um, take stock and come back hopefully even stronger for you know a good season two. I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but it kind of feels to me like the show has evolved you know a, a lot since we started. Yes. Um, I think recently it's felt like we've maybe leaned into sort of general tech slash Apple discussion um, yep. over recent weeks. And I know I initially kind of felt a bit bad about this because part of me was like, well, you know, we should be a dev show. But at the same time, I kind of didn't want to just be limited to being a dev show. I want to talk about, you know, whatever we want within reason, but obviously tech's going to be at the centre of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fair to say we wanted to give ourselves maybe permission to cast the topic net a bit wider than just than just dev. 
speaking personally, it kind of hit home on a couple of occasions where um, some people said, um, oh yeah, we know, I, I know about your show, but I, I, I daren't listen because it, you know, it'd be way too complicated because it's a nerdy programming show. And I, I don't really think we are that. Maybe we were at the start more, but certainly not anymore. No. Um, so I think maybe season two is just a good chance to try and communicate that a little bit better. Take the best bits we've liked for, blimey, what is it now, 131 episodes this will be? Yeah, so <laughs> two, two and a half years nearly. Crikey, yeah. Yeah. So take the best bits of the last 130 odd episodes, take the bits that we liked and sort of try and crank it up. But yeah, I think the show has definitely changed because I think in the beginning it kind of felt like, A, we were new to podcasting, but B, it almost felt like, well, you know, we must talk about development topic X for an hour. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we were picking dev topics and we were very, very uh, focused on, on being a show about being indies. And then, of course, life is is has not been like that for either of us, really. We've not you know, been full-time indie developers. Uh, so we've had to flex around that change as well. And I, th- I think we've done quite all right with that. You know, we, we have plenty to talk about with each other and to, to kind of present to our audience. Uh, so there's always been, been something to talk about. At times, though, we haven't necessarily had a plan of exactly where to take it. And, and I think kind of taking a pause right now and, and, like you say, sort of looking back over, you know, what we feel have been the highlights and the best points of, of having the show and doing the show and then kind of coming back with all of that rolled into a brand new show, I think uh, is, is going to do us good. Yeah, I think so. Um, I just feel like the show's different now to what it started out as and everything evolves um, but I think it's evolved to a point where maybe we need to like you say just hit pause and now's a good time to do it what with kind of just life and everything that happens over the summer winter for you Um, but yeah the the show's definitely turned into something quite different um, from like the initial we must talk about development for an hour to something where it's very different now I mean sure we we both happen to be developers um and we're still going to talk about that, no doubt, um, you know, sometimes. Yep. But I think at the core of it, what I've come to realise is that at its core, the show is kind of a couple of mates who are super into Apple and technology. And we just want to have a conversation once a week about, you know, what's going on, whether that's with our lives, with our own projects or with the tech industry at large or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what I hope to try and communicate better to, you know, with season two to try and hopefully bring more people in. Um, and I think that gives us, it still retains that kind of, you know, development side that we love. Um, but it doesn't just have to be that. And that's kind of yeah. what, I'm, what, what I'm excited for. As for what I would like to do more of, and, you know, chime in if you disagree. <laughs> I'm just kind of speaking for you here. Um, but okay, as, you know, what I'd like to do more of, and I think, you know, the biggest thing is talk to more people from the community. Um, the shows I look back on as being some of our best is when we've had guests on. Yes. And I, I can recall almost like a year and a half ago, we were like, oh, we must have more guests on, and we just didn't. And no. that's kind of kind of our fault, really, is for like settling into that kind of weekly inertia of just putting a show out and putting a show out and just kind of settling into a little groove, maybe. Yeah. Um, and ha- having guests on does present a bit of a unique uh, challenge at times because of the time zone differences. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that's that been part of it as well. But to be honest with that, 
there's usually an overlap time somewhere if we sort of look for it hard enough. So I think you know we can def that's not going to stop us from having guests on. Oh no, absolutely uh, not. No, yeah. um, that's that's one thing I've been very proud of actually. With the we've you know we've come through a period of time where I I shifted country, moved all the way around the other side of the world, and we never missed a week. You know, we we always managed to put a show out. That's that's been quite yeah. quite cool. That's pretty cool. Even when I took a holiday to Spain and couldn't get a good internet connection, I think you even put out an episode on your own, <laughs> just like just saying we'll be back next week. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thanks for that. <laughs> I think think we've we've managed to cover it in one way or another. It's uh, so that I'm, I've been pretty pleased about because the goal was when we started was to make sure that we could do something regularly. You know, just just kind of put some some energy towards doing this and make it happen and we've, we've definitely succeeded with doing that so I'm, I'm, I'm proud in that way and then proud that you know we have had a good run with with this season one i'm proud of the fact that we have um had some really good guests on as well and the other thing that i really enjoy that i wasn't really expecting when we started out was the fact that we've started this thing with having the slack channel and that's brought people you know, into our kind of like day-to-day um, sort of chats with each other that, that we didn't have there before. You know, and there's conversations that have happened in the Slack channel that have been really, really helpful to me when I've been working on something and I've been able to sort of reach out to other people and sort of say, hey, you know, have you have you had a problem with this? Um, and, and get an, an answer, you know, and people have been there to sort of help me with, with stuff and, and vice versa as well. You know, I know I've helped a few people with... Uh, with things they've been working on and that I wasn't necessarily predicting when we sort of started out you know just putting a podcast together so that, yeah. that's been super awesome and and I would say it's actually it's, it's better than Twitter you know I mean Twitter's great and I get an awful lot out of it in terms of sort of dev conversations and that side of stuff but the Slack channel itself has been kind of like um, just a sort of next level for that sort of stuff so that's 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 been really good. Yeah, yeah, certainly not something I would have predicted going into it that we'd we'd end up in the position we're in. Um, wouldn't wouldn't have necessarily predicted that we'd have had you know the guests on that we've had. I think we've been really lucky to have some really great guests and you know come on the show, get to know people more. Um, I think that's been awesome. Um, I yep. thank every every single person that has come on. It's you know it's been brilliant. More you know more of it going forward. I think is is kind of where I'm at. I think yeah, yeah like I say some some of our best episodes have been when we've had guests. Um, I don't necessarily know what that says about me as a podcaster. When I do less talking, the show turns out better. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, you don't have to be somebody in air quotes to come on the show. I think if you yeah. made something cool or are making something cool that you haven't finished yet, or you've just got some thoughts on a topic, um, you know, let's have a conversation. Don't be shy. Reach out, tweet us. Um, you know, email us, yell at us, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, don't, don't be shy. Um, join the Slack channel. Join the Slack channel. Even, even if you think, oh, I probably couldn't go on the podcast. I don't have anything to say. Well, may, maybe you do. Maybe you do have something to say. Um, and you know, we'd, we'd certainly love to chat to anyone. Um, I think it's kind of where I stand on it. Um, yeah. If you can hold a conversation, you're more than welcome. <laughs> it's, you know, come on, come all <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, I think that's kind of something that bugs me a little bit about kind of 
tech podcasting a little bit is that kind of people tend to move within their circles and then you hear the same people just scattered around different shows um, yeah i'm sure there must be for every like one of those there must be a hundred more people out there that have got lots of you know interesting thoughts and opinions and are doing cool things that maybe they could share with the community at large so i think that's um, if we can kind of help people get a little bit of a, a voice um that's yeah. something i'd be really quite proud of to be able to do that um i think if we can grow it to that that'd be incredible um yeah, so yeah. totally cool. agree with that and on that note i would like to say if um you're listening this far and you haven't joined our slack channel yet please do join us um there's a lot of cool people in there already and the more people we add the better it sort of seems to become so yeah absolutely come one come all uh message us over on twitter um or just you know reach out in one way or another um and we can just invite you straight into the channel uh, and we're carrying the channel on you know the channel doesn't go on pause just because the podcast is on pause so for the next few weeks we will still be there and the slack channel will still be open and we will probably start batting around ideas there in terms of what we're up to with the new show and, and kind of season two and uh it'd be ideal you know to have other people come join us there as we sort of figure all this out so i think just to wrap this up really uh just one final word and i think probably from us well definitely from us both here dave um definitely (laughs) i'd like to thank everybody who has listened to us and who have been with us so far you know it's been been awesome uh really appreciate every one of our listeners and everybody who you know has us subscribed listens to us each week uh we know you're out there and um yeah you're appreciated so thank you Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z, and you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.